0: welcome to blind shovel an arts and music podcast today we have our first musician the drummer ian Meltzer of valley boy he's currently touring the world but he took some time out to let me interview him he's a dear friend and a goofy man hope you enjoy It's, uh, yeah how's the, how was the zuck my my rock tour how my rock is this is this going to be part of the podcast is this the type of are you setting the precedent for the way we can speak like can we talk about zucking <laughs> can we talk about zucking rock on this podcast yeah yeah like, yeah, yeah <laughs> totally absolutely yeah was that a good tour with jeremy zucker just to clarify
1: for everyone out there
0: yeah, it was a good tour. It was different than what I'm what other tours I've done, but I I had a good time. Um ate good food, met good people, played shows that were enjoyable, made made a bunch of people happy, um
1: made money. I'm I'm good. Got to see the world. How was it different? Mm. Well, if if you or anyone doesn't know Jeremy Zucker's music, it's kind of like alternative
0: pop. And the demographic is uh, probably 17 to 22 year olds is like the uh, girls is like the prime demographic. Um, so it's not really music that I listen to for pleasure per se, or nor any of my friends. And that isn't to say that it's bad. I actually think for what it is, it's really well made, and and pretty good. It's just I would never choose to put it on myself. Um, so in that sense, it's different for me. Also, it's different than a lot of the music I've gotten hired to play. Right? right. Yeah, I, I tend to gravitate towards more groovy, soulful, um, or even jazzy r type of stuff or, or just pop punk even, um, this is like really not my thing, but I made it my thing and I'm pretty proud of myself. Actually. I think I'm happy with what I did. Nice. How did it feel to be doted on by those <laughs> barely legal <laughs> females what's that energy like i'm sure it's different i'm sure you know, it's very different you know what for me when jeremy zucker is such a singular entity like i'm not he's oh. not a, he's he's not a band it's him and he's a celebrity and people his fans like are obsessed with him and love him and get his lyrics tattooed on their body and like spend their entire in their entire waking daily life like you know thinking that he writes his songs for them um so when we're at the shows even though i'm on stage i if when i look out in the crowd it's just like yeah thousands of people looking at him and i'm just there and that's different um you know just they don't care about me There, there there have been times when i've walked off stage after playing a two-hour show and someone will see that i have like the jeremy zucker pass like you know like mm-hmm. vip pass and they'll be like oh how do you know jeremy what are you on a crew <laughs> and i'll just be like you just watched me play a show brutal it's you know i'm that is true but that isn't always the case i well, yeah I, I mean i do get wrecked people people know who i am most of the time and they're like you were great but a lot of the time, they're like, "You were great. Can you give this letter to right, Jeremy right, for me? Right. Or, or like, can you get me to to meet Jeremy?" So that's not
1: the most fun. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing I want to talk about because I don't really relate to this
0: this dynamic, this structure of being a drummer, mm-hmm. and
1: I guess it interests me. Do you like playing other people's music? Would you ideally be playing music you wrote? Like, what's the ideal
0: scenario? And I love talking about this. I love talking about this. Is this just a thing a drummer has to come to terms with because they're kind of highly sought after and needed for for various projects? Yeah, great question. Um, So, inherently, the drummer has a role, and the drummer's role in the band is supplemental. So, even if it is your band and it you're writing the music your role is to just hold other people up
1: right, right.
0: So, so what you do within that space and that's what i that's what i really that's what i love you know um drummers like if you listen to a band most people hear first i would say vibe and or lyrics it's lyrics first some people just listen for the vibe but like those are the two first things yeah. i think the average listener they subconsciously latch on to and the more you listen to a song like if you really love a band you'll listen to you'll listen to a song a number of times and it, you start to notice other things you start to notice the way that Trey plays the drums in Green Day, you know, but Mm -hmm. you might not notice that at first and no one else can really play the parts the way he does. John Bonham, classic example from Led Zeppelin, like drummers, even though
1: they aren't the point of the recording, the listener, there is something that the listener can eventually whether they notice it or, or they're
0: aware of it or not, their drummers can break through <laughs> subconsciously and have a voice within, within the context of a song or a band. So for me as a drummer, I do like playing other people's music. And I should say as a drummer and an artist, cause I, you know, as you know, I make my own music as well. Mm. That's what I'm trying to get at. It's an interesting yeah, so, dynamic. So I do like playing other people's music if I can find a way to um, express myself within it. And certain situations let you, let you do that and certain don't. So I would say if the two contexts are like the studio and live. So for studio, it's a lot more clear. Because I'm not going to get hired to drum on a recording usually unless somebody wants me to do my thing
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and for live, I think a recording has already been done, and people just want that to be portrayed as it is on the recording live usually, so they'll just they'll hire anybody as long as they can replicate what's been done on the recording right. Um, That's usually the case. The last person I toured with before Jeremy Zucker was Rye. And that was the ideal. Um, Hmm. And the reason why is it was a large band, like seven people uh, and everyone is a really unique musician. And every night, Mike, the lead singer who is, you know, Rye is just one person really He just kind of wants the band to play the songs. Yeah, there's a structure. Yeah, like everybody has their parts, but like there's no rules, really. We're all a unit on stage. And however we're feeling that night, we just we we do that. And if somebody decides to if the organ player decides to do a solo for like twice as long, the rest of the band will just follow him. I don't know exactly what drum fills I'm going to play. It's going to have, it's going to be based on how the crowd is reacting. If the crowd is really going crazy, we're going to, we're going to play louder. We're, you know, that, that is the ideal because even though I'm not personally invested in the content of the songs and what they're about, it's not about my life. I'm expressing myself and I'm learning and I'm interacting with other musicians and we're connecting with people and we're connecting with each other and that's the ideal Um, what kind of music is that it's like soft Mm r&b it's kind of like shot but not like it's not like smooth it's like imagine sade are you familiar with sade's music yeah it's like sade with classical strings
1: Hmm. i'll have to Um, check that out
0: yeah, I actually think you'd, I think you'd like it a lot. It's, it's really good. I mean, I used to like it when I was in high school. He's been around for a while. This guy, he's 47. So, mm. so what has been that trajectory from? I know you were a prodigy, right? Is that a strong word for what you were in your youth?
1: Or is it, that that's
0: this, that, I mean, I don't like using that. Pe- I'll people use it. I'll use it. Have, yeah. People have so. said that throughout <laughs> my life. I was, I was talented when I was young. So, I'm just kind of curious if we're defining artist as someone who, in this context, someone who writes their mu- their own music, and plays it, and has like an identity, maybe related right. related to them. What has the trajectory been? And when you were young, did you think, "Oh, that's what I want to be—an artist"? Uh, or does a young drummer do they recognize the fact that they're part of a bigger unit and and kind of maybe not the main? Person In any group, I can't speak for like how drummers think, but the way that I thought, I I always, I never thought of myself as wanting to be an artist. I just thought of myself as uh, wanting to play music and see what happens with that because I was good at it and I had a lot of positive reinforcement. And I also liked doing it and I liked being good at stuff. And I liked people telling me I was good. Um, and I did, I was aware around like probably 13 years old. I started drumming when I was seven. Um, but around 13 years old when I was doing music in school and seeing other people play music, I was aware that I did have kind of a singular, unique voice, if you will. Like I like a lot of other drummers just sounded like they were trying to drum like somebody else. And I actually wanted to do that too. I didn't think I was better than them. I just thought it was like I can't help but drum with this kind of energy that matches my personality with like, I don't know, it's it's a little bit difficult to explain, but um I can't Help but drum in my own way. And maybe everybody thinks that they drum in their own unique way, but so I was. What's the, with- what's a song that would most clearly express that
1: distinct style? A song that I'm playing on. Yeah. Um, like how could the person listening to this experience that specific Ianness?
0: I would say the song Black Cat. The Valley Boy song "Black Cat" has my kind of mm, swagger to it. Mm -hmm. Um, it, It's a little bit like it's it's very groovy, but a little bit unpredictable and non-repeating. There's there's phrases that are, you know, I don't know. It's kind of I'm just kind of I feel like I'm singing a song when I'm playing. Um, and I, I, when I play, I play to the vocal. I'm, I'm listening to the singing and reacting to that first. Um, most you're, you know, ideally drummers are taught to play with like drums and bass are a unit and that's who you listen to. And that's, and it's not like I don't listen to the bass, but when I'm conceiving a drum part, I'm reacting to the vocal first. Um, and I think that's because I grew up playing music with, um, James, who, you know, who's the singer for Valley boy and my frequent collaborator. And so we grew, I grew up drumming with, while he was singing. And so that's, I think that's why that happened. Wow. When did you
1: meet him? I met him when I was 12. We were both 12 and we met in PE class. Um, And
0: we bonded because he had a Pink Floyd shirt on. And so we started talking about music and he told me he knew how to play the guitar solo for Comfortably Numb. So I was like, all right, dude, you got to come over to my dad's house tomorrow. And we he came over the next day and we just played that part of Comfortably, (laughs) just the guitar solo part of the song, like over and over again. And then... I just like starting that day, we just hung out every day
1: pretty much for the next, you know, <laughs> almost 20 years. Nice. I didn't realize it was that long of a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, you know, Valley boys, is, is that the closest you come to expressing your specific
0: personality? Is that the most control you've had over a, a musical project? Oh, yeah, definitely. And that, and it goes beyond drumming as well, you know, cause I'm involved with every aspect of production and the writing of the lyrics as well. It's definitely the most personal, um,
1: and the most control. Um, is that something you want to do more of? It goes back and forth for me, honestly. Really? Yeah. I go
0: back and forth with it because it is really, it is really fulfilling and touching, and there's some people walking by <laughs> yeah, yeah. what are they talking about? I think they're talking about how one of their dogs just died. <laughs> All right yeah. um okay, there's a better spot so i do I do love a lot of things about that because i I don't know you get to learn stuff about yourself. It's like you get to be vulnerable when you put the songs out, you, you get to like, have that scary feeling of seeing, you know, if people like it or don't like it and how they comment on it, 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 you take it personally, you're invested, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's scary and awesome as, as well. Um, and the, the reward, the rewarding feelings I've felt from that are definitely much stronger than any, rewarding feelings i felt from like playing a show. Well, it's different. It's different, but it's, it's more profound. I would say it's a lot more profound. Um, but sometimes it's nice to just be like, I have a job to do today. And that is to go up on stage and just fucking play very well and make people feel like they're having a good time, entertain people And, and it's like a rush and it's amazing and that's it. And you just leave it on the stage when it's over and you go home. Right. So ideally a mixture of both. Yeah. Which is kind of what I'm, what I'm living right now. And when it comes to producing and writing other people's music that isn't Valley boy, Mm -hmm. you, that's like the, the other, the other version of this, which is like, you don't have the final say. But you do, you're taking somebody, another artist's vision and finding just the right balance of injecting yourself into it, but also realizing what their purpose is and getting the best out of them and realizing what the, where it fits into culture and, you know, but also like making something you would want to listen to. Right. Right, right. And I I, I like that a lot. I do like that. It's a fun challenge.
1: Yeah, I'm always looking for an analog
0: when I'm thinking about musicians. And it sounds almost like art directing or just directing in general. And for me, as I get older, that healthy balance of doing design work with some personal work, with some art direction. Mm -hmm. That is the ideal, I think. When I was younger, I thought I just wanted to have... Paintings in a museum or something, right? Because I didn't even know what that entailed. But yeah, I really do feel like working with people. Well, actually, that's easy to say as an artist, because oftentimes you don't work with people. I assume Mm. I assume that there could be the opposite where you're so reliant on others to make complete songs. It can probably be exhausting and difficult sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you get brought in to work on something and you have like a few sessions, there's ne- there's never a guarantee unless you're given upfront like a production fee and you're getting hired to fully executive produce something and the label has a date that it's going to come out on and all that, which fucking barely ever happens. Mm-hmm. You're just... Being brought in to work on spec. And it's like, oh, just th- do a bunch of sessions with a bunch of producers. This is the label talking to the artist and s- do a bunch of sessions, throw a bunch of shit at the wall. And whichever ones we like and you like, and those will put together into an album. And so oftentimes it's frustrating for producers because we'll go in. We'll meet somebody, maybe we connect with them, maybe we make something cool. We Well, (laughs) what matters is we, we spend our time, right? We spend sometimes one, two, three days in a row working on something for free. And then they just go on their way. And a lot of times, I would say nine times out of 10, honestly, we never hear from those people again. Those songs never come out. Um, that's, and you just do that on repeat. That's what being a session producer or writer is. And then you just, you you do enough of those to where you get some that land. Yeah. I think people need to recognize that, that, you know, these people often work for nothing for years and then maybe they get a hit single or something that actually brings in royalties. Oh, I, I, I didn't know that, you know, because there doesn't even seem like a, Industry that remotely resembles the music industry that I know of, but the fact that these people are just working for free—and
1: <laughs> well, it's, it's a yeah. truly
0: bizarre structure. It is, but it's you know, it's not exactly for free. I mean, it okay. is, but you 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 reach the, the the normal progression is that you do it you do it for for free for enough time to where you start talking to publishing companies and you get a publishing deal and a publishing deal is basically a company gives you an advance that makes it so that you can go out and do these sessions hmm. and afford to do these sessions and then when you do eventually start to get money they rec- they start to recoup a percentage of the adv- of of whatever money you make they recoup on the advance and then you start to make money as well is that in perpetuity they keep on getting a oh, percentage? It depends on the deal. Like I have, I have a publishing deal that it's for three years or until they recoup. Okay. Um, and that's normal, but also it's, you can per- perpetuity is not really a thing with publishing deals, not not really. Okay. Yeah. You, you re up after a few okay. years or it just keeps going. Um, but yeah. So, so it's not like you're, an indentured servant and it's also not like you just are flailing and you know starving and doing sessions you can there is a structure in place to where they give people money in advance to do this and that's cool. so nothing to pity (laughs) so you just got off this tour that you're about to get back on is that correct uh, I have one in between. So I just finished one. I'm going to Mexico to do a tour with Rye, um, who, Okay, who, okay. Yeah. and that's just a little tour in Mexico. So that's nice. Get to cleanse my palate and play some different styles of music. Then I go back to zucking rock <laughs> in, in a, Asia and Australia. And then after that, I'm staying out in Asia again. Um, because uh, like 10 days later, Rai has a tour out there. That's wild. Yeah. I know this year is crazy. <laughs> so crazy. But this is good, right? This excites you. It, it excites me a lot. Yeah. I, I, this is what I wanted. So pretty much when I was younger and it just started happening recently. Um, how old are you? 31 so- now. And this is peak. Your life is ascending. This is the peak right now. This is apex, Ian, I would say. But wow. what, what that I spent the last four years of my life fully in on Valley Boy games, I turned down every piece of work that came my way that wasn't working. I was with Valley Boy, I was all in on mm-hmm. being. Uh, an artist and having an artist project and we made really good stuff. We made no money at all, which was expected, you know, Um, but you wait for something to happen. And then I just got to a point where James happened to, happens to be in a different financial situation because he has, as you know, a lot of work as a songwriter And he's, he's just more more well off than I am. So he can afford to take the time to work on Valley boy and make no money in the meantime, because he's got passive income. Mm -hmm. I was like, dude, I'm, I can't do this anymore. I I'm, I'm approaching 30 and I can't just choose to be broke anymore when I could just be going out and making money uh, elsewhere. So we made the decision for me to step away as like a 50, 50 partner and Valley boy. Um And I'm it's now it's structured. So if I'm in town, if I'm not busy with another project and he wants me to be involved, I'm there, you know, just, just like he would work with any other producer. Um, right. So, but I'm free to do whatever else I want. And it's so funny how you make a decision like that kind of, and it was a hard call. It was a hard call. Um, it was emotional for both of us and also just like awkward and weird and scary. Um, but it's, it's so funny how a lot of times when you make that hard call, but you know, it's the right thing to do. Shit just starts coming your way. Like as soon as I did that. Literally as like next day, probably maybe maximum a week later, Jeremy Zucker called me. Can you go on tour with me? Rai called me. Can you go on tour with me? Um, some other sh- things happened. I can't even remember. I was just like, wow. All of a sudden I'm busy. <laughs> yeah. It's very strange. And it's just been snowballing ever since I just made myself spiritually available. That's right. I mean, we can joke about it, but I think it is essentially that somehow. Not sure how, but yeah, I mean, it's not a joke. I mean, I, I know you that. Like, I don't, I don't think, I don't walk around thinking about life that way. I just, it kind of happens and I look back and I'm like, huh. <laughs> <laughs> I try to walk around thinking about it like that more and more. It's hard think, not to. I mean, it's, yeah, like you, yeah. it's hard not to and, and sometimes. I couldn't even explain that to my 20-year-old self. It's such a 30-something-year-old feeling, at least the way my life has went. But maybe that's because we spent that decade pursuing a certain kind of creative outlet. I don't Mm -hmm. know if it's like it just pays off in that way. I think it does. I mean, it's just there's a natural momentum. Yeah. I mean, I spent certainly most of my 20s not like not trying to learn lessons from things <laughs> yeah. from, but not actively just not able to like things would happen to me and they wouldn't necessarily be good or they would be good. And I wouldn't look back at them the next day, the next week, the next month, the next year, and be like, what does that mean? What can I learn from this? Why did that even happen? Like, Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's different for everyone, but I feel like especially the early 20s, you're just kind of... It's chaos.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: People. Absolutely.
1: Uh, so do you want to... Yeah.
0: Do you think about where we are going from here in terms of like five years from now? How long do you think you physically could keep touring the way you're doing this year? Uh Physically... I'm, I could do it for at least a decade. I'm, it's not like my, my, as long as I take care of my, my body and my arms Mm -hmm. and I sleep enough and I eat right and drink enough water, (laughs) um, I could, I only get stronger as I go on. So I could do it. It's the question is more like, it's really hard to have relationships Yeah. When, when you do this, like I, as you know, we have a, we have a, an uncommonly strong friend group. And I know you don't live, you've never really lived here, but you know Mm -hmm. how it's, how it's been in LA. You know about our, our crew and you're, you're part of it. You just don't live here, but that's right. Being away from this, it sucks. And well, yeah. And not to mention you, You date someone in Mexico city. Correct. Well, that's the other part of it. You know, there's friends, there's family and there's part and there's partners. And like, I'm, I already have a long-term relationship, which is hard enough as it is. And then adding traveling to that, uh, if I have a family, if I want to have kids, if I want to see, you know, I think about my, Grandma's, you know, getting old. My parents are getting old. We all this stuff. It's it's kind of hard to choose to. Be around them less than half the year on purpose. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's another thing that seems to happen in your early 30s. You get this abundance of opportunities that you've been. You know, seeding in your 20s. And then mm-hmm. you also have to suddenly start making sacrifices
1: mm-hmm. because
0: time is running out and whatnot uh and life is just more serious it seems so it's an interesting feeling of of everything opening up and then you have to consciously choose what to close down and when to do it which i think has some direct correlation to maturing yeah absolutely make making hard decisions that have consequences and you're in full control is scary and it's definitely part of it happens more and more, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, just exponentially over time. Oh yeah. I, I mean, yeah. Rapidly. Yeah. It's, it's happening. So I think that, you know, I, there are people who, as you tour at a higher level, when you get, would you get to a certain level, it, very comfortable, um, and there are people who have families who who fucking tour for a living and they 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 are they seem happy you know they have children they if you if you get to a certain level you can oftentimes first of all you're making enough money to where you can okay let's say for instance i have a wife and she gets pregnant cool while she's pregnant, or before we decide to start trying, I'm going to go spend six months making a ton of money traveling. Great. I'm going to come back. She's going to be pregnant. I'll take time off. She'll have a kid. We'll have a kid. I'll be around for the first year or whatever. And then I'll go do a tour for two months. I'll go blah, blah, blah. And you just plan around it like anything else. Right. So Um, that's the ideal. That's the ideal setup in your eyes right now. I mean, that's the ideal version of if I were to com- continue touring. But, you know, like if I, for me personally, if I suddenly, cause I'm also producing still, you know, I, I worked with Jeremy on some producing some of his songs the other day. I could choose to do more sessions. If I produced a few songs that took off and suddenly I found myself having a little moment as a producer mm-hmm. i'd ha- i'd happily i go wherever the wherever the momentum is and sometimes the momentum shifts and i just kind of follow it as long as i'm happy you know doing it and right now i'm happy doing this and that could change i'm just glad that i have options um because a lot of people don't. Oh, yeah. I mean,
1: it seems like you're in a very good position in
0: terms of you're diversified and you're still learning. But you also have a technical skill that you probably reached. You know, you're probably very good at drumming, I assume. I mean, I've seen you drum. I know you are. But I'm not one to judge such a thing. Yeah. I mean, I'm good enough to... I'm, de- I'm absolutely good enough to make a living doing it, you know. And, like, I can. I can do that. I can do the producing... I through osmosis, got good at mixing. If I spent, if I spent a year going in all in on that, I could mix as well, which is another, I'm just so, I'm lucky that I just am good at a lot of things in this area. And I live in LA. And so I'm just like, I know a lot of people. So I, what I, I'm not worried about my career and that, is new. Like that's as of this year. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm not worried. I always knew I was good enough, but I, I struggle with, mm, you know, drive and knowing which route to take. But I mean, all of that has changed because this year I just have tons of opportunities and that could go away as well. But my point is, I don't worry about being able to make money and have fun doing music right now. I, I, I find myself mostly thinking about how I want to structure my life. Um, and where I want to be in five, 10 years, especially in regards to my family and my partner and my friends, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, I'm sure a lot of that growth is, in part due to that friend group
0: and the shrimp house, which I've mentioned on this podcast many times. Um, <laughs> cool. It sounds like that is changing quite a bit as well. And just naturally there's little wedges being driven just as people get older. I think one of the keys of what, what I'm trying to work on is preserving that. Well, till I die, you know, trying to not become isolated and, mm-hmm. and Really keep people around you who you think are genuinely better than you. hmm Oh, yeah. That's all you need to do. Interesting. People around you who think you're are better than you. I mean, I mean, like, not, like, better people. But uh I, I think you can draw correlations, right? Like, it's not just money or something, but you want to be around people who are... Who have qualities that you admire. Respect. Respect, respect, yeah, respect. And you fear in terms of, like you show them something and they say this is garbage mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. you feel that in a real way. Or they say that this is great and you believe them. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> or, or they, or they say this isn't very good. I'm going to sincerely try to help you and not undermine this right. song or this project because that can happen as well. Yeah. It's <laughs> such a simple idea, but
1: it's actually really hard to build and, you know, I don't know, you couldn't recreate the shrimp house if you wanted to. No, no. And I I
0: will say that undoubtedly Shrimp House is dead now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, What um, I keep it, saying it's just the B-movie versions moved in. There's apparently oh, that's like That's so this... funny. That's so funny. Yeah, it's uh, it is dead, but I think that it's just entering. Uh, we're in a limbo now, and there, were, everybody has these shifts in their life, like James getting married. I just assume people who are listening to this have like heard about these people, so I'm just going to talk to you. And- they pretty much, yeah. they pretty much have. I'm I'm trying to be better about that, but you've talked about James enough here. I interviewed Neve, so people okay. know that, and I, I- you interviewed Zach. <laughs> yes, yes. So James is now married, uh, and, um, Zach has moved out and in with his girlfriend, Savannah. I'm never here. Um, Neve's, I mean, Neve's dad passing away was a huge shift or, or yeah. Neve's that, that, that's really the, the breaking point in our friend group. That sounds, I don't mean it like the way, it, Sounds, mm-hmm, I like guess, yeah. but like that caused Neve to move back home. That, um, was just really sad and, <laughs> and, for all of
1: us. Um, something changed there for sure. Um, well, Neve's a good glue. He's a solid glue. Yeah. He's, he's, um, why do you why do you
0: say that? Why do you say that he's a good glue? I'm interested. I was going to try to explain myself, but I don't know if I know what you mean.
1: I think he's good at connecting people, bringing people together, and just I don't know. He's got a certain energy, you know. Maybe yeah. I'm miss Maybe I'm misattributing it, and maybe he's a
0: terrible glue. Well, I think every <laughs> <laughs> no, it's funny. I think if he was a good glue, we'd still be together, dude. No, 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 no. Uh, no, no, no. He, he, everybody has their own,
1: you know, everybody is a glue in their own way. But he.
0: I'm trying to compliment he, Neve on there. Yeah. Right I there. think, I think Neve is the, mo- <laughs> Neve is the he, most, and he might be tied with you for this, but I think Neve is the most. Incapable of being anything other than himself at all times. Interesting. And the least malleable to situations. It sounds like an insult. (laughs) No. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. kidding. (laughs) You know, it's not because... It's funny because we're very different. I know you're very different, but I I think that you, you have a lot of qualities in common just in your own way. But because he is that way... If someone chooses to be Neve's friend, they're like, they're, they That's are, a good point. they're there for all the right reasons, you know? And if Neve chooses to want to spend time with somebody consistently, they kind of pass a certain test of just like, I don't know, just.
1: I get it, that. It, yeah. yeah.
0: He, he, he makes everybody want to also be that way because everyone's like, well, look at this guy. He's fucking look how himself he is at all times. (laughs) He's a good sieve. He's sieving through the people. Yeah. Thus, it creates a cohesion. The mozzarella. Yeah. To the quesadilla. Mm
1: -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. But I was thinking (laughs) it's a type of glue. I was thinking that's kind of a funny metaphor. The fact that you played drums
0: with the wrong form for a long time, right, and then you fucked up your your hands, yep, yeah, that's true it's it's there's something there it's very interesting to me that you could do something well or seemingly well,
1: like the results are right, but your form is wrong, mm-hmm. and you just hurt yourself. As
0: a metaphor for something, or just
1: a... uh. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's
0: made me think about, like, kind of what you were saying earlier about your 20s. You know, there's, like, no lessons learned. It's just you keep doing the things, and maybe it seems like it's right in the moment, and eventually it all adds up, and something has to really change. But that seems pretty dramatic. You know, I've never had anything quite like that in art, where something physically... Impaired me to the point where I had to relearn how to draw. Well, that's pretty, that happens. I think doesn't that happen a lot to artists where you'll get like carpal tunnel or some kind of tendonitis, which is exactly what happened to me. And tendonitis, it's just overuse, really. And isn't that pretty common and with artists? I do. It's just. It, yeah, it is. It never happened to me.
1: Maybe it may in will. But uh, yeah, it sounds like. So you were just incorrectly drumming that whole time? Is that accurate?
0: Drumming incorrectly, yeah, I was. But, you know, another person probably could have done exactly what I was doing, even though it was theoretically technically wrong, and they wouldn't have gotten hurt. It's sometimes you get in a car and you're a bad driver and you never get in a car accident. You know what I mean?
1: True.
0: Um, Did that change your style, relearning? not that i noticed i mean i think That's it it made me i think i'd be better now if i didn't have to stop drumming for a couple of years i also started caring about other things more than music like getting high and just being being a fucking kid and i stopped practicing and then i hurt myself so i couldn't practice and then i don't know i could have i could have i could have been better dude of course of course you could have been some I, you know, I also really don't care about that now um, because, well,
1: for obvious reasons. But well, also... Now, you, now you're happy. Well, I'm happy and I'm I'm as a lot of my
0: peers in school, like in high school or, or in, in middle school even. In middle school, I went to a performing arts school and everybody was like fantastic and everybody could read music well and everybody was just a fucking beast you had to you had to test to get into the school so nobody was bad at music and the natural like this school naturally fed into one of two like two different performing arts high schools and those two high schools naturally fed into you know the the wide pool of like jazz schools basically and if you went to these these high schools, you were probably going to become good enough to get into Juilliard, Manhattan School of Music, New School, Berkeley, whatever, any of the big music schools. And for whatever reason, I just didn't want to go to these performing arts high schools. I was like, and what's crazy is the the actual reason. I think if I'm, it's hard to even remember what I was thinking back then. I just didn't like taking the bus, dude. I was just like, really? You seem like a bus kind of guy. Now I I do. But (laughs) when I was, when I was a kid, I had to take the bus to get to this performing arts school, the middle school. And it was so annoying. I was like, Oh, I don't like sitting here. The bus is uncomfortable. The kids are weird. Sometimes it just doesn't show up. And I'm like, I have, um, I'm like alone and anxious. Uh, I want to just be able to ride my bike to school, like, you know, or just walk or have my parents drive me. And I just knew that those at the high schools, if I were to go there were far away and I'd have to take a bus. And I was like, I don't want to do that. It was, and my parents, they'd never pushed me to do anything I didn't want to do. So I was like, I don't want to take the bus. And they were like,
1: okay, then go to this normal high school. And I did. Did they they encourage you to drum? They didn't need to. They didn't need to really. Like I wanted to
0: do it. Um, and you think, you think there's something about you? Like you're a pretty percussive individual. Do you think? Uh-
1: <laughs> you mean
0: like outside of doing? Yeah, yeah, so? yeah. You make loud. <laughs> you make loud staccato noises. You sometimes it seems like you have Tourette's of some kind.
1: And uh, vul- the
0: vulgarity. You know, you are like a anybody. The people who don't know me would just like it's so funny would never think that after hearing me talk. But it's so true. I'm a I'm a psychopath
1: when yeah, I'm so with my friends. Is
0: is there a type of I don't know. I have a stereotype of a of a uh-huh. guitarist. You know, like oh that guy who wants to be a guitarist and get laid, and he's you know there's like this particular incentive structure around each instrument. Do you think that like are you angry? Were you angry as a youth? I know you were kind of an asshole, right? Like you were just a wild, kind of a re- re- rebellious
1: child. No, is that right?
0: <laughs> I was an asshole.
1: Were you, were uh, you not an asshole?
0: Uh, no. You know, you know I, why I'm, I'm getting this from is like when James writes a song and you're in it as like a contrast, like cigarette. <laughs> it makes me think like you're just like this wild.
1: You, you know, that's, that's different that's, than being an asshole, though. That's true. Um,
0: that's, that's different true. No, I I'm take not, it back.
1: I take it back.
0: I was as a as a teenager. I was definitely wild, but I was like fun. Fun, still sweet. If I can call myself sweet. You're sweet. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like I was still like fun and joy and. Joyful and sweet. I was just also doing like quote unquote bad things. But I also, I'm very performative, as you know.
1: Yes. I like, I have
0: performative Tourette's, I would say. And, and I, I almost did the bad things performatively for my friends. And it did reach a point where I think when I started to do like, drugs and and wild things like that for me instead of just it helping me fit into my social circle and also just being like fun and performative it scared me and so that's when i stopped is when i started doing it for me that's very Um, interesting yeah you're like you're like a jester or a class clown kind of you wanted to make other people happy yeah i mean i grew up yeah i grew up acting you know and i like ah, yes. i grew up being around adults and fitting into situations in which i didn't really technically belong in and i think it probably comes from
1: from that i forgot you were a child I, actor how could you i i didn't i i don't know i slipped
0: my mind you know it's late here it's the east coast my bedtime was early so i must have forgot but is yeah. there a, um, you know, what I'm saying, is there a, is there a stereotype of a drummer? Like, does it oh, attract a sure. certain kind of, yeah, but I kind of person, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I mean, like, like if you want to see the musician stereotypes, like School of Rock is the movie that you know, the 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 the, the drummer kid was like, badass, mean, spiky hair. Uh, mm-hmm like, um, anger, like you said, taking it all out on the drums, uh, that isn't, that is attractive, of course, to some people, but I started playing the drums before I knew any of that. Um,
1: I didn't learn, I didn't see that until I had already been drumming for like two or three years. So I just... I just, like, my dad gave me a drum set because I I said that
0: I liked drums once because we saw a concert. And so he gave me a drum set, and I started playing, and I liked it. And someone, a drum teacher, watched me play and was like, he's really good. Let's start giving him lessons once a week. And I just kept enjoying it. And I was just telling someone the other day, like a lot of people, I think are attracted to the stereotypes, right? So they start playing the drums and they're like, "Oh, um, depending on what age they are, like I'm going to be this type of drummer. I'm going to play like Led Zeppelin, like hard rock, t- uh, Neil Pert, Rush, classic rock, blah blah blah." And I got to that point eventually, but when I first started playing, I was all over the place. I I had a CD that I would play along to. And I, I burned the CD myself when I was like ten, and the the songs I played along to were like um, "Black Magic Woman" by Santana, "Anthem" by Good Charlotte, mm. the acoustic yeah so good the acoustic like MTV unplugged, uh uh, one of the one of the Nirvana unplugged songs, uh take five Dave Brubeck quartet and like two musical theater songs. It was just like what, whatever there, I, it was whatever I wanted. Um, so you're living, that CD is like the Rosetta
1: stone of your entire career.
0: Pretty much. It's, honestly. it's
1: everything you need to know about you. All the influences.
0: It's kind of interesting cuz you do yeah. play, you play a variety of even right now right you were saying what do we call Zucker that's pop alternative pop i would say so, so good charlotte right yeah that's like good charlotte <laughs> it's rye. the modern good
1: charlotte right rye, rye? rye
0: yeah. would be like the um let's see rye would be like i don't know i guess you could say the santana yes um specialized <laughs> <laughs> this is crazy and then <laughs> um, the musical theater i love i do love musical theater and in, until a couple years ago i was playing musicals for you know i would go and be in the pit for musicals it's a part of my life and i do it's love amazing. musicals.
1: it's amazing that you like musicals what's your favorite musical
0: kiss me kate which is a cole porter are you familiar with cole porter no, he's one of the one of the classic American mm, lyricist and songwriter. Like you know, the, one of the big ones. He's mm-hmm. earlier than Sondheim, but you've probably heard of Sondheim. Yes, Stephen Sondheim. So like Cole Porter, Andrew Lloyd Webber, Stephen Sondheim. Um, he's he's one of the early guys. So he wrote he wrote the music and lyrics for like. Anything Goes, Kiss Me, Kate, all these classic American musicals, 1950s, 40s, 50s, 60s. So um, Kiss Me, Kate is a musical interpretation, adaptation of Shakespeare's Taming of the Shrew. Okay. And it's not Shakespearean in any way. It's about a group of actors um, who... Well, that so far that's pretty Shakespearean. But it's not taming of the shrew. It's it's just kind of loosely based on that and it's fucking
1: awesome. I love it. You should make a musical.
0: Oh I that's 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 a real dream of mine. Absolutely. The that's pinnacle. When I yeah, that's when I it, signed yeah. yeah, when I signed my publishing deal, um I worked it into the contract actually on a whim, like the last day of negotiation of the contract. I was like,
1: hmm,
0: I know this seems crazy and you guys don't know this about me and we've never talked, about it, but like, is there something we can throw in there about like, if I were to make a musical one day and how that the the rights would work and this, and the the split and all that. And I forget how they worked it in, but there is some kind of clause in the contract about
1: musicals just in case. Nice. Yeah. Total dream. So that's the next you've accomplished the dream of touring. That's a good thing to set your sights on next. I can only imagine. I I can only imagine what that would be like. Me too. Honestly, I think that
0: my, I don't even think about it that often. I don't think about a lot of these things unless someone, I'm really, I'm really glad we're talking about this. I don't consciously think about it, but
1: I think that my, my dreams would probably like my ultimate goals would be to um, be involved
0: with a movie, either directing or acting or writing or producing in some way and also completely make the soundtrack or compose the music for the movie as well. Hmm. That's a big one. And then, yeah, a musical, writing a musical and making all the music for it. Uh, I'm sure you're going to talk to Dory if you haven't already, but that is, he's my, I'm going to be, I'm going to be thinking about him when it comes to making a musical for sure. I'd have to be my collaborator. I'm definitely going to talk to Dory. We have not yet. Yeah. He's coming down. He's coming down the pipe. Yeah. Are are you, you think you're going to, you're going to have any conversations with multiple people
1: once, or are you just doing one-on-one? I think once we work out the technical, right? So my goal is to get 10 episodes
0: done and edited and then start releasing them. But I don't, I think this, uh, iPod headphone can only take me so far, but I would definitely love to do me and Dory. You and James would be good. Uh-huh. I've got some other brother concepts that could work, mm-hmm. but yeah, I would like to do that.
1: Yeah. I think that'd be really good. I think for now, the goal of this podcast is just to introduce people to, My friends, many of whom already have established careers, and I'm
0: sure, but like not established enough where someone would interview them for a podcast, you know? And, but I feel like people would want to listen. So that's pretty cool. And I think that interviewing the same people more than once might be pretty, could be pretty key because it's hard to get a sense of someone's personality really from like one talk. Definitely. Um, Definitely. but I, I like, I like on podcasts where someone returns and you get to, you get to talk to them again, or, or they, you talk to them and another person and see how they interact. Yeah. You know, ultimately my goal is to tie this into the Williams center. That's the art center I'm working on. Uh-huh. And when acts come through to perform on the stage or wherever, there's going to be many different facilities. I'd like to interview them before they do do all that. So kind of like a radio
1: mm-hmm. situation,
0: yeah. um, and we do have a giant stage with big red curtains, which you Ooh. could do a musical
1: on. Ooh,
0: you know so. about our birthday our birthday play, right? Me and Dori did that birthday play.
1: No, I don't. Really? Yeah.
0: Oh God! If I could choose. If I could choose one person in the fucking world who wasn't here that night, who should have been here. It's you. Mm-hmm. I, I, so Dory's birthday is the day after mine. Um, but you know, years before, but, but his birthday is April 6th and mine is April 5th. And so the, I guess 2019. So before the pandemic, maybe 2018. I can't remember. We decided to have a joint birthday party and for the birthday party, we decided to write a play. And the, the the concept was that all of our friends would come to what they thought was just a party at our house at shrimp house. And when they would walk in, they'd see that there was like a stage with a set dressing and props and lights, like, a and, and chairs in the audience, like a a full production was going to happen. And it looked like a theater play, you know, there was like a, there was like a, a living room set in the living room, but it it Mm -hmm. looked like a, it looked like a set and they would just come in and see that. And, tell them and if they asked about it we were just like well you'll see you'll see there's there's going to be a there'll be a performance later right so at a certain point they came to realize that they were going to be the ones performing the play and they had never seen the script before obviously we printed out tons of scripts and a scene would start i i had like I was controlling the lights from my phone. Lights would go down. Dory was playing piano and lights would come up and I would hand, if the scene had three people, I'd hand three people a script with their lines highlighted and they would go up and just do the scene in front of the audience, in front of the party. Boom. And then the scene would end. Lights would go down. Musical interlude that Dory would improvise. New people would do the next scene. And it was fucking unbelievable, dude. Was like, it in the, the living room? It was in the living room. I, I feel like I showed a, up a day after. I really uh, do. really? I, remember I, a video the of the, yeah. I have a video of the entire thing. Um, really? Yeah. And just the energy, people really were, I mean, I don't know if every friend group could handle this, but you know our friends, like they were all in. They were just so amped when they realized what was happening and it it, it was very elaborate, very elaborate where mm, yeah, there were music, great. there were musical performances where, um, you know, there's so many musicians in our friend group. So like uh, two people, I handed Alex and Noah a guitar and I just put sheet music in front of them with lyrics and they had to, for the first time read these lyrics and read the music and perform a song. Um, it was fucking awesome. And, you know, obviously knowing me and Dory, it was weird as fuck.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: this, this subject was just insane. It was all about stoles being liberated. I don't even remember what it was, but, um, oh,
1: it was that's... amazing. Send and... me that video. I will. I will. Yeah. Very, very, very cool thing. So I'm trying to think to wrap it up. I want people to listen to songs that you've produced
0: or been on. There's the ugly sweaters album, right? Yeah. the I'm playing on the sisters EP for sure. That I would say that is the least. <laughs> in, like I, I don't know. I mean, that's, I wrote those drum parts. They are me, but that is not a style of music that I, uh, norm I am super good at but the music the songs are incredible and yeah I really, I, I, I do love them um I, yeah fucking listen to the sisters EP and Neve did the artwork for it and um all the valley boy stuff um I produced and and wrote with James and I'm playing multiple James and I both play all the stuff on there I'm drumming on most of it and there's a Rye song called Safe Word
1: mm-hmm.
0: that I produced with James and Mike, the guy
1: from Rye. I'm drumming on that. And um, the Val- I mean, the Valley Boy stuff is me.
0: That's Ian's, Ian's right. soul. That's so where you should go. That's where you should go for sure.
1: And you will probably make more Valley Boy tracks, no? I'd
0: like to um James and I have a concept for an album that we've had for a really long time, and we just haven't the time hasn't been right for us to make it, but I think that we we have an album in us for sure, nice yeah. I mean, it's no insult to James, but from
1: what I see online, it's just better when you're drumming <laughs> it's just better Thanks. when you're there well, I think that. James and
0: I, in a way, do complete each other musically, or in at, 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 uh, in more. S- we at least complement each other in a way that is profound because we learned, like we became really, really good musicians and really good at what we do together, and at the same time, and. So my drumming is probably at its best when it's with him. And right. I I can't really say, but I do think that he is at his most at least his most vulnerable and
1: comfortable, which is probably when artists are their best. Um uh, when he's with me for sure. Yeah, that's my niece. But to an even further degree, since you met each other so much younger.
0: But I think yeah. like, uh, I think more people should have that someone they collaborate with so much that. Yeah, you almost become inseparable. Even when you're separated, you know, you, you may grow apart mm-hmm. at least in the, the physical sense or the, even in what you're making, but yeah, it's a beautiful yeah. thing. It's, it's really helpful to growth it's really hard to find inorganically. I don't even know a lot of people have that
1: artist-wise. No, artist-wise, no, I don't know. I, I, man, I'm so thankful for our friend group. And
0: anytime I bring somebody new around, just, it's always the same thing. Everybody is just like, wow, you got like, fuck, what, what, A thing you all have and they're they're very envious of it and they're and they're very drawn to it and it always makes me just feel so so
1: happy and lucky
0: even though we're now entering a phase where people are becoming a little more self not selfish but self um like preoccupied with their family or you know people are going to start having kids probably soon or and you know James just got married I'm traveling a lot who knows we're 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 separated right now um ultimately I think and I hope that we rely on each other so much that naturally we'll fall into a new
1: more mature or just at least different version of this of this friend group will have to make time in a new way for each other. Yeah. We'll just, ha- we'll just have to, or, or or we won't and we'll fall apart, but I don't think that can happen. Um, no, no, I think yeah. it's a necessity. Like you said, it's part of the fabric of who you are. Yeah. Yep.
0: Well, good talking to you i'm exhausted yeah. yeah go to sleep thanks for talking to me late that was ian meltzer on blind shovel thank you for listening music by dory bovarsky and mingja chen next week we have m kettner
1: bye-bye